0: Welcome to the 360t podcast, a series that features top industry professionals offering unique insights regarding how the FX market is developing around us. Hello and welcome to the 360t podcast with myself, Gaelin Stops, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Christian Scherper. Christian, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks for the invitation, Game. Happy to be here.
0: And I completely forgot to say there as I normally do on these podcasts, but Christian is the managing director and founder of Sherpa FX International Consulting. And the reason that I got him on the podcast today is because he works with a lot of big buy side firms in particular, I know. And I know that one of the focuses that he's been talking to a lot of these firms at is a big focus for us, which is automation. Now, before we kick off and dive into the subject... Let's start by kind of defining this term a little bit, because automation is a big, broad term that can be in many different things to many different people. So, I wanted to get your perspective when you talk to buy-side firms who talk about wanting to quote-unquote automate their FX. What are they really referring to in your experience? It's both
1: processes within their workflow, which they want to automate, or sometimes they can even go for a full-blown automation, depending also on which industry segment or geography or product offering they have in the basket. So where are they? Where do they want to be? Do they have an active or passive approach to FX? Are they more on the traditional side or are they a fintech? For them, it's much easier to go for a full-blown automation instead of doing it partly. And also depending on the operational setup. So how is the order generation, the execution, the matching and settlement process organized in these firms? That's what we take a look at first across the front office, back office, middle office. Sometimes they have combinations of those functions. And most importantly, what's the technology attribution? Which technology do they already have in place? And then we decide if the client starts with a phased approach to automate parts of the process, maybe for a specific asset class like FX, or if, if he goes directly from the start for a full automation. Common across all of them, gain is the direction of travel over the past years. Because automation has clearly become an industry trend on the buy side.
0: Yeah, it's something that I hear about a lot. And I've got a question for you that's kind of a two-parter, but I need a little background intro here, which was even before the pandemic, I remember going to a big industry FX event at every single panel. It didn't matter whether it was about data or algos or execution or liquidity. Somehow it always came back to automation. And everybody was talking about, I want to automate process. I want to automate execution. I'm being asked to handle more flows, but I'm not getting a larger headcount to handle them. Automation was seen as the way of doing this. So I wanted to get your insight on, firstly, what do you see in your discussions as the key drivers towards automation? And sort of the second part is, has COVID and kind of the pandemic and everything that's happened around that made these drivers more or less
1: urgent? More urgent is the <laughs> second part, um, which, which is a surprise, but the pandemic enforced further the digitization increase, um, not only in podcasts, compare this um, to traditional podcasts, the streaming of podcasts, um, which I'm delighted to be part of here for 360T has resided in a much wider audience compared to the physical ones stored on our iPods some years ago. And with the pandemic, it was the same. There was a huge digitization increase in trading and analytics due to the hybrid work environment. So um, another driver is the competition resulting from that across the FX value chain amongst liquidity providers, banks, PMs, clients, and also operations and compliance. So as a third driver, I would state the regulation, the compliance aspect, because external bodies and internal compliance officers continuously require to see more best execution and conduct efforts and documentation. So it's not only a work environment 2.0, we also have the global code 2.0, which we talked about in previous podcasts. And automation helps achieving these tasks more efficiently and competitively. And that's why even during the pandemic, there has been a huge increase and the competition has been uh, a key driver towards greater automation.
0: So obviously, there's a number of drivers you mentioned towards automation. I hear a lot of buy-side firms saying that they want to automate more of their FX. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you see as the biggest barriers preventing buy-side firms from automating more of their FX trading activity?
1: It's still legacy setups and perceptions, Galen. So the traditional buy-side execution only view, where a buy-side trader would only receive orders and push them out to get executed instead of proactively generating trade ideas, interacting with the liquidity providers and with the clients and the PMs. And additionally, there's also still a lot of myths and cliches about automation, like it's killing jobs, making us redundant in the trading world. And if we look at the reality to overcome these barriers, we just have to look at the results in reality. So automation is actually unlocked value freed time for the buy-side traders to focus on more, yeah, even pleasurable tasks, interacting in a dialogue with the liquidity providers, with the clients, with the PMs, creating efficiencies. So buy-side trading has actually been revitalized by automation. And that's uh, what we're trying to show the clients because the complaints, the barriers are usually listed in the lower end of the industry rankings. Because by engaging in modern buy-side trading, usually clients have become much more competitive and that has resulted in, uh, in a rise in the industry rankings. You mentioned that automation enabled to do more work with the same amount of people. Look at the passive explosion, for example, where a lot of asset managers were extending their product offering into the passive space and manage that without doubling, let's say, headcount or traders, because automation helped here. So to overcome these barriers, and uh, we talked about tangible benefits already, you can show this in opportunity cost calculations, to capture these benefits by creating a culture for modern buy-side trading to join this competition, this best-in-class competition. That's how you can overcome these barriers.
0: I like that point about the role of the human trader. I want to kind of delve down into that slightly here. You say that the role of the human is still important. Does automation change the role of the human trader in terms of their sort of day-to-day, what I'm doing, sitting in front of the screen trading?
1: The change is the trader is actually enabled to enlarge his mindset, his skill set, his tool set, because automation enables to focus uh, on more valuable tasks, like we said before. And this is a technology game for the buy-side traders to just enhance skill set.
0: And you talked about the direction of travel. I think it's safe to say that the direction of travel is towards more technology, more automation throughout the industry. As we get kind of more onto the bleeding edge technology, when we talk about things like artificial intelligence, natural language processing, machine learning, does this involve relinquishing control on buy-side firms? Are we getting towards dare I say, black box technology here with regards to automation?
1: That's connected to the previous question, because all these technologies have exploded and developed through the data explosion times, which we've seen in the past years. I mean, data is very important. Data is the foundation for every best execution and technology framework, enabling technology optimization, enhancing TCA, supporting regulatory compliance. We talked about that. And... What is AI, machine learning, artificial intelligence? It's programming cloud and blockchain tools versus traditional physical tools so you can capture and compare more data faster and the lower cost to improve outcomes in investment and trading. So there have been uh, numerous examples where these technologies help to increase low-touch trading. And a lot of traders were actually happy about standard trades not being complicated and manually executed, so they can do that with more complicated trades. And then we saw the explosion of algorithmic execution strategies in FX. So it was demystified after kicking off on the equity side of things. And so... AI, ML, NLP even helped managing the broker list more effectively, better monitoring and controlling the trading results for the investors to perform better fiduciary duties. So it did not relinquish, but optimize controls and assisted and developed human traders, PMs, compliance. Um, so it was actually doing the
0: opposite. Interesting. I appreciate your point you made earlier that there's a real kind of spectrum of automation. It can be just workflow processes being automation. I want to stick with the actual kind of auto execution piece for a moment. When it comes to automating trades and the actual execution itself, two questions. One, how important is data? And secondly, is automating non-spot FX products more challenging because those markets are still naturally slightly more opaque and therefore there's less data available?
1: Data is very important to perform best execution duties and is opaque. It's an interesting term, Galen. So it's coming from the fixed income side, I'm referring to inavailability of data or to the intransparency of liquidity and corresponding, quote, alternatives in some fixed income or OTC segments. In reality... Fixed income automation has continued to grow as well. Look at cash bonds automation, fixed income futures automation. And the same applies and applied earlier already to foreign exchange. So it's not only FX spot. We also see that in FX forwards and FX spot and FX forwards form FX swaps in FX futures and the explosion in algorithmic FX. So there will be still complex and opaque market segments to answer your question. But in general, the direction of travel, like in our first question, is the same because of ongoing electronification and digitization of order routings. This intransparency across the board of instruments is continuously shrinking and reducing the challenges to enable
0: automation. Okay, so here's a question for you that's kind of specific to automation within an EMS, an execution management system. When it comes to automating FX, whether it's workflows or actual execution, is there a difference in either kind of the ease of implementation or the actual performance of, say, an EMS that is asset class specific, focused, and specialized on FX versus one that is multi-asset?
1: There is differences. It's referring to the flexibility of the provider scale. So the asset managers have one big wish. They want flexibility on this journey. Flexibility of the systems to manage the orders and flexibility of the systems to manage the executions. So usually you have this OMS, EMS setup. OMS designed to support the buy-side investment lifecycle, which includes portfolio modeling for the PMs, And compliance checking, order generation, cash management, and settlement, even settlement tasks across the asset classes. And EMS is the trade-invest main tool and gate to the market to execute these orders at best. They can be specialized for an asset class or handle multiple asset classes. And then you have OEMS combinations available. And the more functionality, the more complex, and vice versa, the more value and more tool sets will be made available. And as a result, innovative technology providers, like the 360Ts of this world, have the capability to integrate new functionality and new applications without trying to diminish existing asset-class specific or mighty asset setups.
0: You referred earlier to the cost benefits of automation. One thing I hear a lot when I talk to buy-side firms is that they're keen to automate. The FX desk, trading desk, wants to automate more of their flow and activity, but they've got to sell it internally, right? They have to be able to go to their management, their board, their head of trading, whoever, and they have to try and put a dollar figure on the amount of, if I automate XYZ, this is going to be the dollar amount saved. This is going to be the benefit overall. So my question is to you, and I'm I'm sure you get this question a lot talking to buy-side firms. How do you recommend to firms that you work with that they go about quantifying the benefits of automation? Because, for example, one of the benefits is, you know, you're removing manual processes and therefore you're getting rid of some operational risks that are inherent in any manual process, fat finger mistake, whatever. It's hard to quantify the benefits of something that hasn't happened. A big mistake happens and yes, then you can see the damage and the cost, etc. But before it's happened, you can't quantify that. So I'm interested in your opinion on this just more broadly.
1: That's a good point. So you were referring to the operational complexities and uh, some outcomes happening because of that. First, what you should do is uh, show the client an operational complexity roadmap. How is the legacy paperwork, keyboard interface management across the back, middle and front of this function? Currently, the legacy setup versus a more seamless and STP, so straight-to-processing operation platform, when you show the applied workforce and tools and corresponding time stamps, time efficiency. And then the second thing, that's the dollar slippage you were alluding to again, is of course, in trading, time refers to that slippage and to the benchmarking. So, you do an execution opportunity cost analysis with the help of TCA analytics showing trading against legacy benchmarks. In a lot of cases, suboptimal. Yeah, Let's say you use a passive benchmark for an active trade and vice versa versus applying appropriate benchmarking for each active and passive product bucket. So in summary, showing the client how much time and cost he can save and how much value he can create by enforcing the right culture and technology for automation. And then it's usually crystal clear for the client that it shows him the benefits of investing in modern technology.
0: Christian, excellent answers to all these questions. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. And uh, we talked about the direction of travel. We'll have to get you back on the podcast to uh, update in a few years time for sure.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much, Gay I'm looking forward to it.
0: And to all our listeners, thank you very much. And please do join us again next time. Thank you for listening to the 360T podcast. Check the 360T website to catch up on past episodes and find new listings.